These tools are for you to use. Hello, I'm Dave Marr. Welcome to This Is Your Afterlife, conversations with artists and activists about death and life. My guest this week is Cameron Gillette, a very funny comedian, one of my personal favorites. He also has a special that is out now called The Best Set I Will Ever Have. It's a special, it's an album. You can find links to see the video and hear the album at the links in the show notes. That's where you can find those links, is at those links. You can also follow Cameron and me at those links. And also, you can donate to my Patreon via those links. The Pigeon Level subscribers to my Patreon, who I would like to thank, are Fred Fidewa, Susie Carroll, Katie Llewellyn, and Kurt Chang. Thanks to them. Thanks to you, if you are them. And thanks to you, who are you, just listening to the show. If you like it, please subscribe to it. Please rate it, either adoring five-star reviews or entertaining one-star reviews will do. I'm very excited for you to hear this conversation with Cameron. He's a very sweet guy, a very sensitive guy. We had similar backgrounds religiously that I didn't even realize. And we do talk about Christian bodybuilding in this episode. So you have that to look forward to. So let's get to it. Here's Cameron Gillette. I grab your whip and take it back to Shatown. When I'm in Shatown, I treat it like it's mine. What do you hope happens when you die? Man, I, I, uh, okay, this might sound weird. I, I think my biggest thing is that I hope my head doesn't get crushed. Um, as your way of dying? Yeah. Because, Okay, and I know I'm not about to Joe Rogan out on you, but I I, I have done DMT, um, and okay. I think I, and just that being, you know, I'm not going to go into trying to describe it because I think anyone who has had that experience and tries to describe it, you're like trying to shove shove it into a box of language that it just doesn't fit in, but it is the chemical that's a flood of it is released when you die, and doing it feels like such a spiritual and connected to some kind of higher thing experience that I've thought like whatever that big flood of DMT is that happens at that moment. I hope my head doesn't get crushed. So I, I skip that or something because <laughs> maybe that's like the thing. I don't, I don't know. Cause it feels oh, like it lasts. Okay. Even when you smoke it, it feels like it lasts so long, but it actually only lasted 15 minutes. And it's like, I feel like the flood, you know the death flood of the drug anyways yeah i hope i get really high is what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> but so okay that's interesting it's almost like a, um i'm trying to think of y- you know civilizations that think about like the the way your body ends up on earth is like the way it's transported to the afterlife or something so it's almost okay. like if you weren't if you had your head crushed you wouldn't be able to have the spiritual experiences of death yeah and i don't know that but it just it just it's a fear it just seems like god that flood of the thing at the end seems like it might there might be something in there that i don't know do you feel like that would be your ticket to the afterlife and you'd miss it or do you not expect there to be an afterlife and you just hope that you get that one last 
Oh yeah, that's a, that's a great question because I guess in a way I am sort of suggesting there that the flood of chemicals is all that it is. Uh, and yeah, beyond that, I guess I don't know for sure if there if the if that's just like a little bit of a yeah there I, I'm a, I'm a big I don't know guy because I was raised super religious. What um, flavor? Uh, Southern Baptist. Uh, oh shit! Christian, okay. very hardcore, and I was a very I was the most Christian, both hands up in the worship service. Speaking tongues, kid. No. Um, we didn't, but I've seen like that movie Jesus Camp where all the kids are speaking tongues. Mm-hmm. And even though we weren't speaking tongues, I felt like we were close to that intense in terms of just. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, it was a uh, it was weird. Um, That's I almost have- you sound like a like a like a baseball player talking about like not doing steroids. You're like, I was able to hit that many home runs without, you know, taking the extra step of speaking. in. <laughs> yeah. I got there without going. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I didn't have to scat to, uh, um, but yeah, I mean, I had me and my friend, my best buddy from Alabama who went to this, we grew up at the same church and sort of wound up in the same place. Belief wise. Uh, we like, We've talked about how growing up and going to those like worship services, we we definitely felt so spiritually connected at some points where when like listening to that music and sort of putting your hands up and it felt like this act of surrender in a way, like and ultimately it was just a way to dive so deeply into that moment where you really something was I mean it, you know, it's a collective group thing that's happening too, but we we've talked about how I think we both now we're huge on going to see live music and so big on it that we sometimes are like, I don't think my friends are getting out of this what I'm getting out of this. I don't want <laughs> sure, to be a, sure. a live music snob, but I feel like I'm something is happening for me at these shows yeah. that's not and I think it might just be being raised to sort of be seeing live music like that and go, Oh my oh, it's God <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Know? Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't think the I don't think any of the Christian stuff happens. Well, okay, I did. Even you know, it's weird because even even though it's been so long since I've had had the <clears throat> indoctrination kind of, I I've kind of dropped the indoctrination so long ago. It was still within the last year. Me and my best friend that I mentioned, we were on Discord a lot through all, just chatting through all of uh, isolation, and um, we watched some video essay together that actually broke down how recently the idea of hell and Satan are within like Christian belief. Like they're they're really not like fundamental Christian ideas. They're really kind of recent interpretations right and even though i feel like i've been so long separated from that i still felt a little bit of oh phew okay oh (laughs) totally yeah 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 like i don't have to worry about that (laughs) 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 which is pretty funny considering like the authority is like some documentary video you watched with a buddy together on on discord yeah it's like (laughs) 
it's like, oh, thank God, the authorities really cleared me. Uh, Not even a documentary, just like a YouTuber's video. Essay. Yeah, but- right, right. Someone with an account posted something, <laughs> and they're a third party, and that's and enough. And it completely relieved my existential <laughs> dread of burning to death for all of eternity. <laughs> right. But then the risk there is that the minute you see another sort of authoritative thing, it can just all flood right back in, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. But I mean, I guess it's also just the extent to which once i don't know when you when you get some sort of historical context of when that idea popped up i think it it feels so much more obvious to me that like oh that was just to scare us to, and make us sure not, no not, not totally like the thing for me like that because i grew up yes speaking in tongues with the juice oh nice um with in the an juice? Evangel- the well the steroids the um oh yeah yeah with wait what do you mean the steroids oh never mind i i forgot the metaphor you made uh, <laughs> one minute ago okay um so yeah so <laughs> they we gave were you steroids in yeah they gave us steroids and we just lifted weights and screamed <laughs> for christ actually that is really funny do you remember did you guys have power lifter power, power team yeah, we. I don't know if it was called the same thing. I think. I think there might have been more than one. But yeah, that oh, big wow. event with like sparks going off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like four of the buffest dudes you've ever seen in your life. And right, this is what you. This is what you're looking forward to as an adult man if you stick with this religion with Jesus. Yeah, like yeah. and just literally making the most obvious metaphors of like Jesus gives you the power to break through, and then smashing a a bunch of wood planks or something yeah uh it's crazy that that was a riff that i came up with and landed in an exactly true thing in evangelical christianity (laughs) yeah and i'm glad you saw that shit too that shit was bonkers yeah 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 but so i was saying the thing that that kind of shook me out of one of the things that contributed to that context that you're talking about was learning that the Bible, not only that it wasn't written by one person, I knew that, but that there was a council, I forget what the name of the council is, but it's somewhere in like medieval times or something where they decided which books went in the official Bible and which books didn't. Like there's a whole gospel of Thomas, you know, that like isn't in there. Yeah. And it's like, Oh shit, that's not just like a conspiracy theory. That's just literally how they made the Bible. And that points to some fairly obvious, like, uh, it, it makes some obvious points, maybe not necessarily about the nature of reality, but about the claims the, of this the religion. Authorship. Yeah, the authenticity of some of the claims in this text, at least. Yeah. And I mean, maybe that's a thing in, in the past before the internet that was an easier thing to go well this is still we're still getting the words handed down to us but now with the internet i think you understand the impact of editorializing so much that like clearly that is no longer a direct like communication from this source that is if it's been editorialized that heavily by human hands then this is you can't really call it the word of god anymore it's like abridged (laughs) right i'm thinking about like clickbait articles where the writers are like i didn't get to choose the headline of the article 
like, don't blame me. It's like, it's Buzzfeed. They want it to be the catchiest, most whatever thing. And in this (laughs) metaphor, like God is the, is the writer and all the editors are like the priests and publishers and everything. And their headlines are like, God hates fags. You know what I mean? Like, and God's <laughs> yeah. like, no, that is not even anywhere no. in my article. You know, they're just doing that to get clicks. Paint your hell like Ooh. a custom hell designed for you. What would like, that look like? Like what I always imagined it would be or what would no, just no, be no. the worst? What would be what? the worst thing for you to experience as hell? Damn. Um, huh. I've thought about... Actually, now that you mentioned this, I don't know if you were going to ask this too. I have thought a lot about the ideal, what a heaven would be like. I think a philosophically sort of sound just heaven actually well okay this sort of figures into uh, being a hell as well i think it so i've had this idea that what if for after you die the for the rest of eternity or you play on a loop experiencing in first-person perspective, like in fully in their body, experiencing all the effects that you had on people throughout your entire life. Um, so, if you were a, if you were an incredible and sweet person, that would actually be a really joyful sort of loop. Or maybe you wouldn't have to loop it. That might get weird, but I don't know. Like, I. But if you were just if you were fucking Ronald Reagan, that would be hell. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. that would be th- the not just one person's life, but every every millions of lives that he ruined, just going firsthand through every single moment that he had an effect on. Like, you know what I mean? Right. So, but that wouldn't be hell for me because I'm a good person. <laughs> um, I make people laugh. Well, you don't think I'd, that I'd that creates? <laughs> you don't think that creates a little bit of a false oh, no. sort of binary? Oh, yeah. Like, I'd be like, oh, no, that was really douchey that I said that. that <laughs> well, no, just that, like there's any like I can't imagine a person who like even Mother Teresa, who's the like most cartoony example of this. There would be some people who she would be experiencing like irritation and judgment and be like, oh, this bitch again. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Yeah, I guess so. But-, but I definitely think you could have net positive or net negative experiences with this. But let's take that further. If that is just the hell version, what are the experiences you're having um, on the, on the flip side? Like me personally? Yeah. The, 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 yeah, you personally, like what, what would you have to relive from the other side? (laughs) Well, luckily I'm a comedian, so just be a lot of guffing it up. Um, I'd I'd get to sit in every single audience member's chair. Uh, no, and I that would know. be hell. <laughs> yeah, that probably would be. I, if I'm <laughs> sick of my jokes now, holy shit! Actually, um, yeah, that would be pretty decent. Y- <laughs> yeah, um, but I guess the idea is you're experiencing it like the person sitting there has never heard it before, so you're. 
you're having their same exact experience, then it would be fun. You wouldn't be, remember that that you're just tired of this joke. Sure. Uh, but I'm talking know. about the hell experience. What would be for me. the worst for you? Um, The worst things that I've done to people? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the way you created uh, the scenario. Yeah. But Or it could just be the feelings you've had on the other side of interactions with other people that you would hate to be forced to relive. Like oh, what wow. would those, what would those sorts of situations be? Is it like, yeah. I can't stand embarrassment more than anything else. Mm. And so, you know, or is it, you know, or like, I'm not, you're yeah, welcome no, to, <laughs> I cannot <laughs> handle embarrassment. No, that's yeah. not, I'm not saying that me, I'm just saying that's an example of a thing. Oh, okay. Well, that is you, know? w- you what I would have said. <laughs> really? <laughs> Above yeah. anything else, embarrassment. I, no, I mean, I, I don't want to rank it. I don't want to do ranked choice worst feelings. Sorry, this uh, is ranked choice worst feelings. <laughs> the podcast. Yeah. Uh, no, I, yeah, embarrassment definitely is a hellish feeling for me. I think I used to. I don't know. In high school, I got diagnosed with social anxiety, but it it's just I don't know. I probably have other stuff now too. I'm I'm about to I'm I'm actually finally for the first time since high school sort of shopping therapist, but um in anyways, I yeah, I think I just I I definitely think just thinking I did something wrong in a social situation and thinking why didn't I do this instead like I, I can torture the fuck out of myself. And I used it used to be a lot worse, that sort of the way I tortured myself. But like yeah, embarrassment definitely just I Yeah. And actually back to like church, um I think it was the first time I remember being like getting depression <laughs> was uh I was at a church camp. It was this thing where we all stay. It was like sort of like a staycation church camp where um, there were some, some of the richer people who like, like there would be like whoever the richest kid was, everybody rather than go to like a beach and everyone stays at the hotel. It's like this, you're with a, a group of like 15 other kids and you're all staying at this one person's house and everyone has different houses and you're on the team with your house, you know, and we do go-kart races and all sorts okay. of shit. It okay. was kind of like this week It's called blast weekend at my church. And it was kind of like a sleepover situation. So we were at one of those and we were about to drive from the go-kart thing to the next thing where we're figuring out the cars. And I walked up behind this kid, uh, Jonathan, who, who was talking to a group of like all of our friends he didn't see me walking up behind him and they were talking about who should go in what car. And he was like, no, no, not Cameron in our car. He just sits there and he's quiet and weird. And he didn't turn his back around the whole time, but everyone he was talking to looked directly at me like, Oh fuck. He knows. (laughs) Or, or, and, and I didn't, you know, very afraid of conflict. I just like kind of lowered my head and just walked away. You just got quiet and weird. Yeah. Hey, he ain't lying. That's on brand, baby. Um, Yeah, um, but yeah, I don't think he ever even knew that I would have heard that. But I think it really 
felt like the first time I, I was still pretty young and I felt like it was the first time I was maybe like 12 or 13. It felt like the first time where I was like, I've never in my life heard what other people say about me if they don't know that I like if I'm not around right. and, and this has this is what this is how people think of me. I'm I'm not a how one person, but yeah. Right. I mean, it was what one person was saying, but it was very easy to extrapolate that to I caught someone once, but this this is how mm-hmm. people talk about me. This has mm-hmm. this is it. So it's it sort of spiraled me into I remember the first times just being up all night crying and my mom being like, what is going on with you? Like, wow. um, and and like sort of going into that, like insane, like depression and. And I feel, but anyways, so I feel like, um, that sort of led to the, you know, embarrassment. Like anytime I feel like, I think it made me really way too hyper aware of how I'm acting in social, like never wanting to people to, I, you know, just never wanting people to talk badly about me when I'm not around and, and like, yes. So that's why I would say embarrassment seems to really affect me too much in a way. I, and that was an embarrassing, that was a hyper embarrassing situation, I guess. But yeah. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, it, that's it's so wild to be able to look back and see the exact moment any specific depression started. <laughs> yeah, like that's yeah. such a unique experience. And, yeah. and then also for it to set you on this quest of, trying you know there's 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 some version of that story for someone i think maybe in their like 30s or 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 just later in their life where they hear someone talking about them and they and they realize hey people are always going to talk about me like this i can't control it and there's no point in trying but like Uh the way you were set up and the time in which you experienced it, it was the exact opposite lesson of <laughs> I people, have to control this. Right. I have to control this thing I have observed is completely uncontrollable. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it it also sent me on a thing where I was like, um, after that moment, I, I was definitely like such a Christian kid up into that moment. And I definitely stuck with it in a way for a while. But that did lead to me a lot of the times I would when my parents would go to um like we went to church Sunday morning and evening and Wednesday evenings and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. after that I started it I did it one time where I was like I don't feel like going to the youth group today and it's never like they're taking roll call it's just whoever shows up so when I say my I go to the thing with my parents and I say bye to my parents. I'm just going to go sit in the bathroom at church for like two hours. Um, and I did that once and I was like that. And I, and I walked out of the bathroom and met up with my parents after that. And I was like, well, youth group was great. And they had no idea. So eventually that was like what I did. Like every time um, I, I almost started doing that for every church service. And eventually, God, so, I'm sorry, this became not afterlife, but uh, I keep going, keep going. Oh yeah, eventually, this one time, I I sat 
in the bathroom for the entire like big church service. And there was this lady, they had a bunch of like people who sang, who are like really amazing singers. Cause it was like a huge church, like mega yeah. church kind yeah. of thing. And so they were like, you know, really good singers there. And it'd be different kind of singers every week. And one day I met up with my parents after the service and my dad was like, yeah, Charlotte had a really good song today, huh? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, Charlotte didn't sing today. <gasps> and it was like, rather than just ask me, are you hiding in the bathroom? Right, right. Like, <laughs> he's treating you like a cop coworker or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. I would like you to relive one memory. You have to choose one memory that in the afterlife you get to relive whenever you want, however many times you want. This is based on a premise in my last one man show that the podcast is based on. But so that's the thing. It's not that the rest of your memories are wiped. It's just that one kind of the way you talked about the hell of experiencing the other side from first person, uh, all the ways you've affected people, except this is first person re-experiencing of whatever memory you choose from your perspective. And when you're reliving it, are you like aware that you're reliving it up to you? you, Are you like, okay. So you're not like remembering, okay, here we go again. Another round. You're, or I, I wouldn't, I, I feel like. Well, that's the thing. You have to choose something that is rich enough and that is, uh, you know, or rich in whatever way. If it, if it's a, if it's like biting into one bite of a certain cupcake and that's sustaining enough for you, then great. Choose that one. Or if it's something where you're like, well, I'm going to need to be talking to people, you know, to have uh-huh. conversations, to, to keep my mind occupied. Oh, right. I guess just no matter what the memory is, it's like eventually I would be like sick of the loop of it. But, but, well, then take that out of it. You, okay. you don't get <laughs> sick of the loop of it. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, it's going to sound so fucking just crunchy, say crunchy it. Just say it. But it was when me and Kenny DeForest and Dave Drake went to Bonnaroo in 2012 and, had a really amazing day. One day where we where we did mushrooms and watched some amazing music, and then we left the festival early. On the last day, it was going to be fish. We didn't watch fish. We we left early and went to a waterfall park instead in Tennessee. And did a waterfall it. park, not a water park. No, a like natural park um, wow. that was centered around this gigantic waterfall that you could swim under, and um. It was, uh, and we and we did acid there, and we. It was like this insane. I mean, all of us have talked about this as like this moment that sort of veered the course for all of us. But but like, it it was like we got there. I was a little stressed out at first when we first got there because there were people all around, and I was like, "Oh, I'm getting really high." I, I everyone's you know when you that, got to the waterfall. Yeah, yeah. Okay. There were a lot of, but like this thing, everybody just sort of cleared out of this park. And for just a minute, we had this entire waterfall to ourselves and just, um, I don't know. It didn't feel like 
being blasted high on drugs. It felt like the that was sort of the acid was sort of a, like I just felt so we we wound up swimming up right under this waterfall and just that moment honestly if it was only just the smallest moment it would be that moment of looking up at that waterfall because i felt like i was just seeing every drop i was like i felt i was it i yeah it was so emotional and you know spiritual but it was really it was wild and it felt like You know, I, I guess a little bit as a person who was like, well, God, wasn't it? What is it? What is it? It felt like this is it, you know, mm. um, this and not even necessarily doing acid is it. But it was like sometimes on those drugs, you kind of have a thing where you you get so enraptured in the moment that you're just like, um, I don't know if enra- I don't. Is that a word? Enraptured? Yeah, I think anyway, so. Yeah. Yeah, you just get so just completely absorbed into that moment that you're that you it sort of affects your everyday life after where you realize that being that in the moment is the thing to strive for and the most the sort of ideal state of mind where you are at your best and you're you know just kind of attracting the best experiences in a, in a in a way sort of um but I, yeah that but yeah, just I, I swam down and I like stood up under it. I like I remember Dave and Kenny hadn't gone into the waterfall yet, and I just like turned around at them and like motioned like you got to get right the fuck under here. This yeah, is yeah, yeah. Shit. Yeah, and yeah, it was you know, and we couldn't even articulate it. We were when we were leaving, we were just screaming thank you at the waterfall, you know, just because it was just so like thank you <laughs> i i didn't i never knew i needed that and i needed it you know <laughs> yeah yeah is it was there a when you talked about the emotional and you know you're clearly uncomfortable saying spiritual unironically oh. but like spiritual <laughs> experiences of it other than what you just described that that feeling of like presence is what i would call it yeah um it, was there something else? Because you also said it like guided the three of you, um, Kenny DeForest and David Drake, the other mm-hmm. comedians, by the way. Um, but what were the things that guided you? Was it just that thing you talked about of like wanting to be more present? Was yeah. there something else to it? And it's weird too. I I think personally, I like I. And I guess this might lend itself to why I, I have to say spiritual in a jokey way too, because I think if you get too into like a te- if you have psychedelic experiences like that, and you you get too into like carrying walking away with it with a dogma or like a mm. a a sort of like literal like explicit this is what I believe now this it then I think in a way you're sort of missing the point it it it's like a feeling that you felt right then and you almost and when you're feeling it you feel like i could get here every day if i wanted to i i think there's things holding me back from getting here but but ultimately yeah it doesn't feel like it's a 
now I believe this and I'm going to start living like this. It's more of a, I think whatever that state of mind is, I have to start living in a way that I, I, I drive towards that state. But, but without, the more I put it into words, I know the further I'm going to like, the more I try to articulate it and shove it into that dogmatic language box, the, the further I'm sort of getting away from the, the truth, which is kind of this ever changing, like shifting. It's, it's different every second in a way, you know, I, I don't know. I actually don't know. (laughs) That's the show. Thank you so much for listening. Please come back next week. I am very excited for the guests that I have coming up soon. Go to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Dave Marr to support the show and tell your friends. And I will talk to you next week. You can do miracles, things that seem impossible. You can do miracles, miracles. You can do them, have faith, you are human, only human, and human beings they do miracles.